The Sign Out Podcast has partnered with Outdoor by Four to bring you this conversation. Welcome to the Sign Out Podcast. Here we interview individuals who are pursuing their passion and who want to share that story. If you did your own thing, we would follow you anywhere. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. So I used my last thousand bucks, my last thousand dollars, and I imagined I had a million dollars. And the reason I was going to more places is because my clients were like, where are we going next, Tara? <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sign Out Podcast. Once again, we have a great guest today, Tara Short, who is founder and director of Green Adventures, is joining us today. And I'm so excited to have her on. Tara, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Daniel. I'm I'm really excited about this conversation. You know, when I tell people I have a podcast, sometimes the first thing they say is, well, how do you find guests? And I'm like, well, if you just kind of look around, guests will just find you as well. So I think this is a great story, um, which I want to tell here at the start about how Tara and I got to know each other. So I recently took my oldest daughter on a trip to Alaska for kind of a long weekend, father-daughter time. And I had wanted to do a whitewater rafting. So I booked this whitewater rafting trip. And Tara may not even know this part, but they actually called me three days before I was to leave and said they had to move my time. So I was supposed to be on a different whitewater rafting trip. And I got moved to this uh, other time, which worked out perfect for my travel plans. And I get there and there is just a bus full of ladies already there. A couple of them are hanging out uh, outside the bus. We're in this gravel parking lot where the rafting company is. And it's obviously that there's uh, 10, 12 ladies that are all together traveling. And there's me and my daughter, which is kind of fun. You know, it's an all ladies trip. And I brought my daughter along. So I have a good time. So we get in these boats, we go through this crazy introduction, we have to dive in this very cold water, but eventually we make it to the boats, and Tara sits next to me on the boat. We're going on a whitewater rafting trip. It was really fun down this canyon in Alaska, and I'm, you know, as we're sitting next to each other during some of the pause, it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I bring women on adventures all over the world, and I'm like, well, great. Hey, I have this podcast that likes to talk about outdoor adventures, so it was so cool. You know, it's at times like that when if you just kind of pay attention to those around you and have a simple conversation, you never know where they would lead. And this has led to what I think is going to be a great conversation and some fun things to jump into next. So just starting out, Tara, thanks for joining me today. Um, again, it's I think we're going to have a great time with the audience. But just for kind of a beginning question, um, and what's great about this podcast is Tara and I, we talked on the boat. Um, for that or that river raft trip when we weren't getting pounded in water. But this is really like a get to know Tara session. Um, and then I think it's great that I'm coming in with just a little bit of information and we'll just let this conversation go. But I always am interested. Um, I know where you are today and what you're doing today, but I'm just curious as an early child or early, you know, whether it's an adult, adolescent, when did you get interested in the outdoors? And what was that experience that got you into the outdoors? Oh, that's a great question. And I think probably what, what most people who love the outdoors will say is like, I just always love the outdoors. I've, I just always loved nature and I was always a curious kid. Um, and like just a kind of a background, I, I grew up with a single mom and we moved a lot and we lived in an urban environment. Um, and But I always found a way to be curious and, and explore. Um, and um so as far as I can remember, I was asking for microscopes and telescopes. 
Uh, and I would be sitting on the back porch, like in, in the suburb of Chicago, looking up at the moon with my map. Um, uh, uh, and we once lived out by um, uh, out in the country and I wandered out into the woods and I found a creek. And I was in sixth grade out there, you know, stepping around the creek, just turning over rocks. Um, and then as I started getting older, um, uh, uh, Life magazine, remember the real big ones that like they're, they're with big, like they were uh. huge and had great pictures. I remember flipping through one of the life magazines and seeing the biosphere too being like talked about and all the little micro environments and something just connect, like uh, connected with me. And I knew that I wanted to be a biologist and I wanted to travel. Um, and since then I've just kind of been unstoppable in that way. Just always have this sense of adventure and always a desire to have big animal encounters and to see the world. So did you, you wanted to be outdoors. Did you do any camping younger? Um, I wanted to be a Girl Scout, but that never happened. Um, right. I didn't really do any, like, I don't think my first, like, camping experience, like a car camping experience, I don't think that happened until, like, I was 19. When a friend and I were just like, let's go camping. So we, like, drove to a campground outside of Chicago and did some car camping. And those were my first adventures, was car camping and, and hiking those trails. Now, did you, you mentioned biologists, did your schooling take you in this direction? What, how did that come about? Yeah. So I, I like, you know, when you're 19, you think I want to be an accountant. I want to be a, like a, a lawyer, a biologist. Like you don't really know all the different sub right. uh, careers. And so I knew I loved the ocean. I knew I wanted to get out of Illinois and I knew that um, I wanted a sense of adventure. So um, uh, uh, I thought I'd be a marine biologist. So I applied for Hawaii Pacific University and I got accepted um, but my, um, but I couldn't afford it. So I postponed a year and I worked at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago, which is a, a, a big educational institution. And um, I worked in the informal education department. So I was like teaching people about animals um, because I was too young to work with the animals, but it turns out I was really good at it. And I liked like helping people connect with these, with, with, with the animals. Um, and so I eventually, um, I went to school in Wisconsin to be an environmental educator. And to my, my thought was that I was going to work for like the forest service or the park service. Um, and then I was offered a job in the Bahamas and uh, I said one summer and I ran a marine science program there for a summer. And then next day I know it was seven years. And the next day I know I started a business. <laughs> what, what was that like? You know, a, a kid from Chicago and growing up and moving around that area and then living in the Bahamas for seven years, that's an adventure in itself. It, it really was because, I mean, as a kid of a single mom, really all I wanted to do was get a job that gave me benefits and health care, like health insurance and a steady paycheck, right? Right. And here I was like going to work for this guy who had this small, it's, it's a, very, a business very similar to the one I run right now. Uh, we worked with high school kids. Um, um, Except my business got started with high school students. That's how before the women were the high school kids. So um, I worked with high school kids in the Bahamas. Um, it was seasonal every summer I was there and then I could live anywhere I wanted. So I was kind of, I was doing telecommuting before it was cool, right? Before we even had to do that. So um, uh, yeah, so the summer, the summers there were absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so I, I just had no idea that like eventually like that adventure would turn into kind of a life of running a business very similar to that. So when you're in the Bahamas and you're working at this job and you're, are you starting to travel a little more then to other yeah. places? Like how does, cause 
And we're not going to jump all the way to where you are today just yet, but you've, I know. you've done a lot of traveling. So yeah, what, yeah. What, what is, how do you start? Um, and what, what were those trips like those early ones? What, what were you, what were you wanting to do? Well, so what's interesting is, is like, you know, when you, just to take a step back, can I like, how did you know you wanted a career in this or how, what, what did marine biology lead you down this path? And so like, I looked at, I look at life now, now that in my, my 43 years, I, I like is a big target. Right. And if you're like, I'm throwing the arrows at this target of being a marine biologist, but I wasn't landing right on the target of being a marine biologist. I was landing just kind of around it. But I said yes to opportunities that put me in some really great experiences. Um, and so that summer when or that year, I was offered the position to work in the Bahamas. Uh, what I was going to say is it is a very small business. And I was being paid like um, every month with a, a, a cashier's check from the Royal Bank of the Bahamas. Like I just, it was, it felt like, is this really like something I should be getting paid? Is this legit? Um, and so I just kept looking at it one summer to the next one summer and then it turned into full-time jobs year after year. Um, and, uh, um, and so that guy who, who ran that business, um, he's the one who inspired in me this sense of adventure. Like Tara, it's like, it was more than just being a marine biologist, more than just being, um, like a, a teacher. It was more about like living your best life, not working, a day in your life, right? Like work, but don't make it feel like work. And so then what happens is I just followed my passion and my passion was like, like the sense of movement. Um, and so when I worked in the Bahamas, we had, um, we had the Bahamas, Eleuthera Island, and we had Costa Rica, but it wasn't until I started my business um, and about five years into it that I started getting resources to give me the ability to keep traveling to more places. And the reason I was going to more places is because my clients were like, where are we going next, Tara? <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I just, I was just lucky enough to have like, all my trips are my, my bucket list experiences. Those, everything, if you go to my website, everything that's listed there is something that I dreamed of as like, as a child or as it's been what I've been wanting to do. Uh, and then I went and did it. And I was like, man, everybody should do this. So that's how these trips end up happening. You're like, I got to take people. I got to show them this. Um, and so I'm lucky to find people who just love the same kind of stuff I do and it attracts them. And then they're like, well, you did such a great job doing this. We saw gorillas. Um, where, where are we going next? Um, so that's, that's kind of how it happens. It's just, it's been very organic. It has been, but I mean, you're definitely unique in a couple of things. One, to be able to pursue your passion through your business but you do have a spirit of adventure about you. I mean, not you, you, you chose a path and you're like, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to go to the Bahamas, which I mean, that's pretty unique, right? Not a lot of people from the States go work in the Bahamas as a young person, right? It's not like you were going over there. I mean, you're a young adult going over there. Yeah. Um, I was like 20, 21 was yeah. when I, when I went. Yeah. Yeah. And so that spirit of adventure uh, comes out. And I think it's really cool that you get to live that, you know, through, other people also, because you get to bring all that together. Like you get to go travel and now, you know, we can kind of, you know, transition to what you're doing today and, you know, and how I came along. But I mean, it's interesting because the, the group of ladies that I met, um, and you had kind of mentioned, they didn't all know each other either. Mm -hmm. And so here you bring this group of people together, you give them a shared experience and the memories that people make from those shared experiences are amazing. I'm sure you've made friendships just because of you've had these incredible experiences. So talk about how did you get to that point where like, okay, now I've started, I'm in the Bahamas and now I think I can do this for a living. And now I can 
wait, I might have a company here. How did that passion really turn into, wow, it's going to feed me. <laughs> well, it turned into at first, I was like, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> like, right? I was, I was 29 and I had some clients uh, who were uh, with the, their company who were like, you know, Tara, if, if you did your own thing, we would follow you anywhere. And I was like, I don't think I could do that. And then somehow I, I a partner at the time who was very supportive and I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. So I used my last thousand bucks, my last thousand dollars. And I imagined I had a million dollars. And I just, I read Tim, uh, it's Tim Ferriss's book. I think the, the four hour work week or something. Yeah. And there's all sorts of resources in there. Right. Which was given to me by my former boss, ironically. And, um, and yeah, I just took one step at a time. I built itineraries and sold them in theory. Like I hadn't even gone, like I knew what, like I'd been to the areas, but I hadn't run them through. I just created a budget and I, I gave those, I, 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 I gave those to teachers. Um, that, cause my first clients were going to be science teachers. Um, and so, yeah, I, and I was up to like, you know, at 4am, uh, talking to guys in India who were building my website on the cheap. And, um, and then once I got my first groups, I ran these women's trips. I'm sorry, I ran students trips, but there's an organization called becoming an outdoors woman who I had had uh, a connection with in the past. And, um, they, they contacted me because I actually had them do their first international trip to the Bahamas. So when they knew that I had started my own business, they're like, Tara, would you like to do trips to, uh, uh for Bo to Baja? And at the time I had two destinations, I had Alaska and Baja, Mexico. And I said, yeah, I, I definitely, um, I, I'll do it. And so I had, I, I start, well, the trips that I led for women were under the same philosophies as becoming an outdoorsman. It's a non-competitive learning environment for women to connect in the outdoors. Um, and, um, and so that's what I was, that, that's what I was offering. I was offering a safe place for people to step outside their comfort zone um, and to do things that they dreamed about doing. And maybe they didn't have time and resources in the past, but they're ready to do it now. And I wanted them to feel like they were among friends. Um, so um, that's how we trans transitioned into the women's trips. And um, I just didn't expect that now I've been in business, it'll be 14 years, that Beautiful destinations, for one, attract these these people, right? These strangers. But everybody who is there is supposed to be there. Like, it's just amazing how we always come together and we do create amazing friendships. Um, we have it, the people on the trips have transformative experiences. Like, right. it, and you know, people say, "Oh, like I, I've, I've I stopped saying life changing a lot of times in my ads because it felt so cliche." But really, at the end of the at the end of every trip, they're like, "This this trip changed my life for whatever reason." Um, and yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail from the trip perspective, so people can kind of have an idea. Um, I think when I was the trip that y'all were on, y'all had gone and done some hiking, did some camping out. Um, as part of a hike, but on these trips, you're giving women the opportunity to push themselves far out of their comfort zone. And yeah. so to talk about like, what are some of those experiences like, and we don't, if you want to go specific places, that's fine, but really just some of those general things that like when they come, they're going to expect to have these experiences that most likely they've never done before, which may be hiking and camping out for three days, you know, with no shelter except a tent. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like to call it type two enjoyment. You might've heard that be referenced in the outdoor world, right? And I think I put people in positions where like the, 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 the itinerary attracts them, 
But then when they get there, they're kind of like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, like they, they're a little bit outside their comfort zone. Sometimes there's a little bit of complaining and sometimes there's a little bit of like, and not just like, like just being uncomfortable. But when yeah. they get through it, they're like, oh, that was amazing. And they talk about how great it was. That's called type two enjoyment. Right? And I'm kind of addicted to it. I like to be uncomfortable for a little bit. And because at the end, I know like, that was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and so like, for example, um, uh, in Uganda, we go hiking to go see the gorillas. And if everybody could, like, if, if the gorilla experience was accessible to everybody, I don't think it would be as amazing of an experience, right? You have to go to Uganda. You have to go to a country you don't know much about. You have to like, have some porters. You have to have scouts with guns, AK-47s, to walk you into the jungle. You are now walking in a, the impenetrable forest where there are forest elephants, you know, that can trample you to death. Uh, there's gorillas, uh, you know, like there's stuff. And then, uh, and then the hike there is, it's hard. Um, but when people go see the gorillas, they're like, they're, they're finally there. And they're like, I just achieved my dream of being able to see these animals in the wild or see, or they learn things about like a humbling experience. I think people feel like there's, there's the stuff that they feel like that they've accomplished, but there's also the, the intangibles that I don't think that they anticipated feeling right the the feeling of connectedness to a, those wild animals the feeling of desire to protect that place a, a feeling of um uh like feeling small in a world that's really big um and those things like those are the things you take home and they, they change how you feel about your own backyard about you know what you see on tv um i just did a hike in iceland called the logevager trek where we hike 40 miles hut to hut that trick that trip is for women who like to hike but it's not an easy hike and it's what we find on that is that it's not about the individual. It's about us as a team hiking. And I think we, you know, there are these themes that come across like, um, wow, I'm very good at helping people. Like I can reach my hand out and help someone step up a rock, you know, to get up here, but I have a hard time accepting help from other people. What is that? You know, and you don't, you didn't think you're going to learn about that on a hike. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, those are, just, there's, those are just some of those things. If, if that answers your question. No, it, it, it totally does. I'm, um, it's interesting when you think about going outside, you know, some people they don't enjoy hiking, right? They, they might not enjoy some of the outdoor activities, but I think the more people try it, I think they will find enjoyment out of it and pushing yourself. And, and I've had other people on the podcast and we talk about getting out of our comfort zone and that's a different definition for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. we're, you know, right now I'm very focused on doing outdoor activities, but, you know, I interviewed um, a lady two podcasts ago, Sunny Strayer, and who's done some amazing um, mountain ascents and just things that are unimaginable. But then she takes people on hikes that have never done this type of stuff and is able to like bring the team together and get them through that. And that's how I view what you're doing as well is like, come visit what I'm doing, come on my tour and you are going to have an amazing experience it's going to be hard. It's not going to always be easy, but it's such a learning experience. And you have the whole, um, you only touched on the piece about the out, the education that people get on these tours. I mean, I think that's something that's central to what you're doing. One, you are a teacher by trade. You are somebody that is there to educate. Your passion is to bring these adventures, bring people along. And I, I would bet that most people that go on your trip it's, that's their first time to go on, not maybe not on some big trip, but you really bring a lot of people out into someplace they've never been before. And it may not, it may just be uncomfortable 
there were people on our rafting trip who were very uncomfortable yes. on that rafting trip. The water was extremely cold. It was very high rapids. Um, you could see people were uncomfortable when we all had to jump in the water. But when we got through those two canyons and got out, I think everybody was like, that was a pretty fun ride there, right? True, 100%. 100%. Right, so, I mean, that was so, and you, and you're just like, wow, that was really amazing. But, to, you know, talk about some of the education that you, you touched on a little bit, but talk more about the importance of getting people out and seeing what you're trying to protect and how you want people to understand about what's out there to see and why it's important that we, you know, we protect this land, we protect these trails. You know, the, the magazine I'm working with on this outdoor by four, you know, they're, they're all about tread lightly, right? Because they're mm -hmm. vehicle-based camping. So talk about how that's important to your mission to not only bring women together, but to really educate them. Sure. So with Green Adventures, our mission is uh, to help protect people, places, and ecosystems through sustainable tourism. And we do that through, uh, we do that through uh, carbon neutral. So we offset our carbon emissions uh, for our travel. We, we support local guides and local outfitters in the places we visit. And then also we educate the participants who are on the trip. So um, there, like the first idea, it, I like to call it wow, wonder, and world citizenship. So I use wow. I find some sort of wow, an animal encounter to like wow people, right? That emotional shock uh, that's like really connects them. Wonder, help them ask questions. We tell them lots of stuff. We'll talk, we'll identify plants. We'll talk about mountains. We'll talk about glaciers. We'll talk about whatever, whatever the the site has to offer. We teach them about the uh, natural history and the cultural history of the area. But wonder, having people ask their own questions and using the right type of questioning tool, like it's kind of like what you're doing, right? Ask the right questions, you get you get these answers. And you're like, wow, that reveals so much more. Um, and then world citizenship. What is it that we can do? to protect this place from our own backyard, from wherever we live in the world. And so a lot of that comes down to consumerism. So like, because some of the big things, you know, climate change, uh, um, biodiversity loss, like it's overwhelming. And sometimes it makes people, even me, want to be like, just throw your hands up. But every, I tell people, every dollar you spend is a vote for what you care for. So every day you have a choice to make good, good decisions that benefit wild places uh just by what you're 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 buying so we will teach them locally um like for example in baja or roatan honduras where we do more of a marine component we talk about seafood consumption a lot of people like to you know buy their seafood what should you you know you should be purchasing wild caught pacific salmon versus farm salmon um you should be the only place to get farm shrimp would be in the united states otherwise it's got you shouldn't purchase that so we, we teach them per, like consumerism tools to make them better educated consumers. Uh, and um, so I feel like that's been our way to help people make a difference. And then also the stuff that we, we've we been learning about for 20 years, right? Reusable bags, don't use don't use single-use plastic. Um, don't uh, 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 um, collect. We actually ask people not to collect from the national parks or protected places. And it's really hard because they're like, can I take this rock home? Right. Like, <laughs> if everybody took that rock home, there wouldn't be any rocks here. <laughs> I was, we were, we were hiking at a glacier right before we actually met y'all. There was a glacier hike right outside of Seward where you can just hike up the trail and you can see the beginning of the glacier and the water is like moving fast right by the glacial waters come out. And there's just a piece of ice sitting there and I pick it up and you almost feel like, am I supposed to touch this piece of ice in the river? 
<laughs> I mean, I, I thought about that and I was like, I'll just put it back where it was. Somebody taking a piece. It's like a perfect ball somebody set on top of this piece of wood. But you do think about that, like when, when you're out in nature. Yeah, I think and it's hard to understand if you don't go and visit. Um, you I, don't care. Like, right. well, the other thing is you don't you don't have a sense of care. Right. I, I think like so in um, uh, also just going back to Baja, we have these really amazing encounters with gray whales. Like they come up to the boat so close you can you can touch them. And it's like we're not harassing them. They are curious. They come right up to the boat. And uh, um, and I, I I tell people that, you know, like gray whales wash up on the coast of Washington, California with plastic bags in their bellies all the time. And because they're bottom feeders and they, they suck up that plastic when they're eating. So next time you go to the grocery store, think about your whale, that one whale, that one whale is so curious. They came up to you and interacted with you like you could be protecting it. So I don't, uh, they wouldn't have had that connection. It was just, it's just a whale out in the ocean, right? But now it's their whale. Right. Yeah, that's so, it's so true. I think it's important to be able to connect to all that and see an impact. Like what is, how does your life impact other things around you? And what can you do to have a minimal impact? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what that, what does that mean for you? Um, when we, you know, I remember we were sitting there riding on the raft and I started questioning you about, you know, what are your favorite places? So I'm curious, um, one, like what's your most popular tour first? What's, what do you think that, what's that? Not even you personally, uh, my, just in general, what do you, from your feel, your feedback you get from the ladies that you take out, what's your most popular one? My two most popular tours are the Baja Mexico trip mm-hmm. in the spring and Iceland. Those are my two, uh, and the, I have um, uh, two tours in Iceland. One's a, one's a multi-sport and one's a hiking. So those are the two most popular at the moment. And so going back to you personally, what have been, you've traveled all over the world. So what have been some of your favorite places? Actually, I'm going to change that question because I asked you this question on the boat and I want to ask you again, if somebody's coming to you and they're like, Hey, I can only go to one or two places. Where are you going to send them first? That's, uh, that's a very good question. And what's your budget? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, that's uh, that's really good. It's really up to the person. Like, what are they most no. interested in? But okay, so anything Africa is yep. is like I think Uganda, for example, would be if if someone had like one trip to go on. Yep, I would choose probably Uganda because it has, and, and that's just in my lineup of things. Right. Um, I, I would it has the the iconic African wildlife. It has the habitats too. Um, and then also the cultural component, the people in Uganda are just so friendly and welcoming and inspiring. And then also to go see the, the mountain gorillas and chimpanzees, those are our closest genetic relatives. And an encounter with them, it is life-changing. Uh, and, um, uh, and and just, it's super special because, I mean, there's like 400, I think, I, I'm, there's like, like four, no, maybe it's 1500, 1500 mountain gorillas left in the world world. That's it. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I would choose out of my lineup. So that's what, that's where you would tell now, what is your favorite trip that you've been on? I, that's so tough. It really is. is. It, it is so other, tough. Than, other than the gorillas. I think you made a great case for the gorillas. I know. Oh. Well, I, I like my favorite trip that I have ever like and and just so you know I, I haven't traveled everywhere I'm only like I haven't even been really to Europe can you believe that I just went to Canada this year 
<laughs> I just happen to go to the same places over and over again in a lot of places and I get to know them really well. Right. I have a lot of homes, which that is special in itself. Yeah. Um, I, and when you start to pick a trip, I mean, all these trips are like relationships, you know, your exes, they have a special place in your heart and they'll always will, <laughs> but then you get the new shiny things and you're like, Oh, I'm really into that right now. Right. And, um, but I mean, I guess my favorite trip, um, and I know I've talked about them several times and I have 13 destinations, but the Baja Mexico trip has to be the favorite. Uh, it is the one that started it all. It's the Sea of Cortez is right in our own backyard. And um, it has just like, there's 800 species of fish. It's the Galapagos of North America, 800 species of fish, one third of the world's marine mammals. Um, you camp on an uninhabited island, a world heritage site. You know, the stars are absolutely amazing. Uh, the people are amazing. And um, every time I, I've gone, I've been going there for 14 years and every time I go, it's a different experience. So um, that would be, I guess, my, my favorite and my, and my oldest love. <laughs> You mentioned you enjoy Trinidad Tobago too, and we we're whitewater. Yes, rafting. I do. I like them all. I mean, like right. Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, that was, that is that. I mean, to be on a beach with like 307 feet long, like turtles right. coming out of the ocean, it looks like something like Jurassic Park. I, I mean, I remember sitting on the beach the very first time I went there to go scout this out, right? I'm sitting on the beach, there's bioluminescence ocean, like coming up on the sand so it's like blue as it's going out there's like a little bit of like the star well the starlight is so light that the sky is kind of light there's a silhouette of the jungle i see these giant palm trees and it's quiet except for like the of the waves and then you hear that is a dinosaur like hauling itself onto the beach next to you making a 20 year migration from the beach it was born, coming back to this spot right in front of you to lay its eggs. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, that kind of stuff is, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, the other day we had been texting and you sent me a picture of a recent trip you were on. Then you wrote, is your Facebook post on your Iceland trip, is that on the your company's Facebook page? That's a very good question. I can put it on there. I think it might only be on my personal page. So, Tara said, Tara, um, it's public. Right. She sent me a picture of an Iceland adventure recently. And then she told me, go read my Facebook post. So you recently took, you actually mentioned already that you took some ladies on a hike, but I'm going to let you tell the story because you took your own adventure one night to see a spectacular view that is one of those lifetime type deals. So I'm not even going to go any further. I'm going to let you talk about <laughs> how this thing started eating a pizza and where you ended up. Uh, it makes me so happy to think about it. Um, so yes, I just finished um, my second tour in Iceland. So it was that that day, just to, to, like this is day eight of a nine day trip. That day I had kayaked four miles and I hiked six miles to a hot river. And then we were coming back by bus to Reykjavik where I dropped my clients off and they had a free night. And um, my my friend Tracy who was, was actually on this trip with me. Okay. And so Two days prior, we heard that there were all these eruptions taking place on the Reykjanes Peninsula. This is about an hour outside of out of Reykjavik, and um, and and then just so you know, in 2021 there was a there was a volcano. Uh, it, it opened up uh, in 2021. There was you know uh, it was spectacular, but it was March of 2021, and COVID stuff was still going on. So I hadn't been. I couldn't go to ice. So anyway, flash forward to this year, August, uh, July of 20. Was it no? It was August. 
of 2022. So we had heard that there was all these erupt, all these like violent earthquakes going on in Re- the Reykjanes Peninsula. And in Iceland, everybody's like, you know, they want a volcano. You think it's opposite. Like we don't want a volcanoes, but in Icelandic people, they're like, well, I asked the very first question I asked when I went to Iceland was like, what happens when there's a volcano? And the guy I asked said, we go to it. <laughs> that sounds so like, crazy. Oh, all right. Yeah, I had no idea. Like five years later, this was be my decision. So anyway, um, I uh, I got a message from uh, a friend in Iceland. And it was basically it says we have an eruption. So I'm sitting on the bus um, on my way to Reykjavik, and it's like we have an eruption. I was like, oh, and I was like, how can I go see this? It's kind of dangerous. You know, there's gases and like there's not a real path yet. Like it's in a new spot. The earth just cracked open. <laughs> there's lava flowing. And so I asked my guide, I'm sitting at the front of the bus and I asked my guide, I'm like, uh, I don't, we were talking about, it. she said, Oh, one of my friends, she's an Icelandic guide. One of my friends went last night. So of course I was like, maybe I can go. And then I got a tap on the shoulder from my friend, Tracy, who was sitting in the seat behind me. She's like, and she whispered in my ear, she goes, if you go, I'll go with you. And I was like, Oh, oh okay. So we get to Reykjavik clients have their free, their free time. And we're like, I don't know if we should do this. There's kind of like this, let's let's talk about the data here. Should we do this? And finally it was like, okay, we, we need to go get something to eat and we'll decide. So we packed our day packs and the thing, the, the restaurant that was right across from the hotel was a Domino's pizza. So we go to Domino's and we're sitting in Domino's and we're quickly looking up because we're losing daylight. I mean, this is the time of year when the daylight is getting shorter and shorter in Iceland. And so, uh, um, it's going to get dark at 1030. We're looking at, it's gonna, and it's, uh, it was 730 at this point. It's, like, it's going to get dark. It takes an hour to get out there. It's going to get dark at 1030. Uh, what, what's the reports? And we looked up like safe Iceland travel.com or something. And it was like big red banners. Don't go stay away. We're they're still trying to figure things out. <laughs> I don't know. By the way, we were on all trails. And I was looking and I was like scrolling through and like the, one of the, just, it was like hours old. I didn't, I can't remember the woman's name, but I, I, it's on my, my, it's in my blog that I wrote, but it was like the, that user wrote worth it period. And I said, we need to go. <laughs> so like all the other data was out the window. So I called the taxi next thing you know, we're in a taxi, we're headed out to the Reykjanes Peninsula and you can see the plume from the, dis- like all the way, this is big gray plume on the way out there. and. Uh, yeah, and they dropped us off. And so there's a parking lot because it was it's this it's near the same site as the eruption from 2022. And um uh so there's there's people there, but lots of people were coming off of the mountain and we were going onto the mountain. And so um, you know, I know the end of the story. I I and it was spectacular, but at the first, it was actually kind of scary. I mean, I was nervous. I, I like the thought of I had some questions like, because I know enough to know better. I know that people get lost. Uh, in Iceland because of fog. The the landscape, it's lava. It's like old lava fields with some gray moss. So put fog on that, there's no reference points. And people get lost. Weather changes really quickly. You could freeze to death, like just right next to the highway. Um, There are are memorials to people for like there for that reason. Um, And and then also what was it going to be like coming back in the dark? What if it's dark and foggy and like, how are we going to find our way back? So, um, I know we, 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 we just made an agreement that we would keep going once one foot in front of the other until, until it got, we got to a point where we felt dangerous and we wanted to turn back or whatever. And so one foot in front of the other led, like, as we started going up this, we, it's really steep at first. I uh, walked like up the mountain. Um, and then, uh, um, that, that gray plume basically turned into like a pink 
plume as the sun was setting. And so then here we are like following this, like this, like fire cloud in the sky. You know, it looked like, it felt like something from like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like, why are we all marching up this mountain, like (laughs) towards this thing? And then, uh, um, and then it just started getting, you know, got darker and the sun was setting. um, And, uh, and uh, there came a point where like, because we also had a taxi that was going to pick us up at 3 a.m. So, we're, by the way, we're hiking from 10 p.m. till 3 a.m. after our day. All okay? night. All night. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, we had to also be mindful of the time. And, uh, like, so every time we got to, like, we went through a valley, got to a new, like, butte, I guess. We're like, okay, that is the last crest a p- point we're going to go to. And if we don't see anything, I mean, that's what we see is what we see. We'll turn around. But there was a moment, like we went down in the valley and I had my headlamp on and like all there were people coming at me that it looked like, I felt like if you were like swimming upstream and some fish, they were all kind of like kind of splitting through, like I just saw my, through my headlamp, they were like, like dividing around me and I couldn't see their faces except for this one guy who like just kind of stopped. And he said, he's like, you've got 20 more minutes and it's spectacular. And he kept walking. And I, that's the kind of stuff, like you talk about finding a friend in a raft, you know, like this cosmic connections with people like, oh, where did that come? So uh, then it was kind of like, you know, user from all trails saying worth it. So it, it fired me up. I was like, we got to keep going. We had to go so slow because the the um, terrain was basically it's old lava, um, it, you know, hard lava. And there are holes that can, you know, you'd fall into up to your knee and break an ankle out there. And getting rescued, it would be quite a produ- production, right? So those, that's something we didn't want to have. We don't want to have to walk very slowly. But then we went up to the next hill and something so, it was something so beautiful that I like, I felt like if I looked at it, my knees would buckle and I would fall down to the ground. I know that's it's, maybe it's being dramatic, but that's exactly how I felt because I knew that I was going to see lava. I, 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 I knew from 2021's pictures, what I actually got to see in July which was like, I saw like, um, like a, the, the cinder cone with some lava coming off, off in a distance. That's kind of what I was picturing that I was going to see tonight. But instead I saw this, like, it was just like a black landscape, right? Cause it's dark, my headlamp, the red plume coming out of this V and silhouettes of like, you know, black little silhouettes of people coming through the V like silhouetted by this big red plume and like just fountains of like red lava behind them like I had to look away I told Tracy I'm like I can't even go because it's just so beautiful I think it's gonna be just the most I, I, I can't believe it's gonna be this amazing and um uh and so she's like we, we got to keep going so we walked over up over that that ridge and, and in this valley was like it was like a mile wide uh like uh yeah mile wide and uh um, it looked like a giant amphitheater because the the way that the, the cliff was at an angle, we kind of, it was almost like natural seating. I immediately sat down. There was no, like, I don't know why I walked up, sat down right at the top of this amphitheater and looked down into the valley with, um, with, with this huge, uh, you know, a fissure of uh, like open earth lava just coming out, like the Bellagio fountains in Las Vegas is <laughs> basically what it looked like. And it, like, the, there's it, the pictures on my Facebook page too. Like you see, I'm glowing red, right? I'm sitting, I'm not right next to it, but the it's so red that I, I'm glowing red and I feel the heat coming up in this 
you know, up the uh, up the, the, the incline um, uh, from this, what I call the amphitheater. And you can actually hear the whoosh, 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 of the, like of the, the lava waterfalls, basically. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I just kind of sat there and just kind of, and just total utter disbelief. And I was so proud of us for doing it, like saying yes to the adventure, right? We just did it. Who does that? My friend Tracy and I, that's, that's who does that. And well, that's the other part of this. You need a buddy who says yes to adventures. So I might have not have done it by myself. You need one <laughs> as crazy as you are, right? They got to be just Yeah, you, you do. You need somebody who's like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> But, you know, saying yes to the adventure is what you, I mean, that's the first step, right? I mean, that's the first step of getting out of your comfort zone. Um, I think, well, one, let me back up. I have a feeling those pictures don't even do justice at all to what you saw. Wow. That, it, that it's just so amazing. To The one that you, what I think is interesting is the, that you could feel the heat and you could hear the sounds. Like you were truly experiencing something more than just looking at it. I think that's yeah. amazing. Well, that's why I felt so compelled to write about it. Right. I, I thought these pictures aren't going to do it justice. I have to write about this. And there's like three long posts, but I just needed to get it all out. I wanted people to really feel what, what that experience was. And to also kind of go through like a little bit of the roller coaster of emotions I, that we felt to do it. I wanted, I wanted to take people on the adventure. And I mean, that's also what I love about tr- like, travel and virtual world is like, I want to share this with as many people as possible. Those three posts were great. Like I really could feel like, okay, this was like, I could tell your, I could feel your emotions going up the mountain. I could feel your nervousness of hiking that. And then you started to get back down. It's not like, like, that's just half the adventure. Like you got to experience all the beauty, but you're like, I got to get back down. I still got to make it to a car. And my guy yeah. was so nice enough to wait for me because we can't get down fast enough. I mean, that whole he thing. Was the, yeah, he was so nice. That was the nicest taxi driver. Um, but yeah, and like to come, like one of the things I didn't talk about in that um, in that post actually was just that how like, oh, maybe I did, but I didn't reveal too much that like one of the things that I felt so good about is that I felt very confident. I felt, I felt, I felt like I was in a good place. I mean, 2020 really screwed a lot of people up. It really, and and like, I mean, it was hard for the tourism industry. It was hard for like me because of that. And like, there was a time I really thought I was going to lose everything. Right. And I went through a lot of anxiety and I went through a lot of trying to like, just pivot and, and get myself confidence and just, just feel solid again. And I think Tara of 2021 wouldn't have done that because she was still kind of recovering from a bit of trauma. And then 2022, I just, I felt like all the work I put into myself, I like, and uh, was just there. And so when we turned around, we started to head out. I felt that little bit of anxiety, which I wrote about, which was like, I got cold and um, I started to feel like a, kind of a biting cold. And I, I hate being cold. That's like, kind of like a, a weird phobia of mine. And so I felt, uh, I felt like I, I started to get cold and there's a little bit of panic that just touched me a little bit. And I was like, nope you got this. You, you came prepared. We had all the right layers. Like I, like, I'm like, I hike in Iceland now. I I know how I I felt confident in my own skills. Um, and, um, yeah. And then just as we started to get further and further away from the fissure, you know, to, um, like I used my headlamp and I, I don't know, it, it became 
like I was able to, you know, obviously we were able to get down the mountain. Uh, we had each other, which is also nice to know you have someone who's got your back. But there was that one hiccup where I ended up on that, where all the fires were. <laughs> yes. I was like, something smells like it's burning. <laughs> I was on like old, like cool lava with like fires under it. And that was very shocking. Yeah, that, <laughs> that I kind of forgot. But once you said that, I remember reading that thinking like, like I'm not sure she's in a good spot right now. In the no, story. I wasn't. Cause I mean, there's, cause it's weird. Like Iceland has this smell about it. It's like very fresh air, like cool, uh, like smells like new growth. And all of a sudden it smelled like a campfire. And, and I was like, well, well, what's happening? And my eyes kind of adjusted to all these little fires that are like, were around me. And then of course, immediately I was like, oh my gosh, you know, people fall through those crusts because right. it's uh, you know, it's, it's not as like, it's cool on top, but not very sturdy. Um, so uh yeah. So anyway, um, I, like, I, I kind of ran off it. <laughs> oh gosh. I ran off, uh, found us a good spot. And then, yeah, we started working our way back. And, um, I just like, I just felt really good throughout, you know, through that walk. And, and once I started to see that I like, there's small successes. It's just like, you know, when you climb a mountain, you put one foot in front of the other and eventually you get there. I didn't focus too much on the, the big picture. I didn't worry about the future. I just took one section of that trail at a time. And, uh, and then as we were going down the, uh, going down the mountain, um, the sun was rising again. And so we had a little bit of a sunset behind and a sunrise in the front. Um, and it was just, wow. just really, really, you know, amazing. Um, and, uh, but we were super tired. I mean, there was a point when I was walking down the, um, uh, when I was walking down the, uh, like down the mountain, um, I like Tracy's like, you're walking like you're drunk <laughs> because I'm like, I don't know. You can't see it, you know, on a podcast, but it's kind of like a hop, skip and a like plant your poles down kind of motion <laughs> because my ankles would roll. Cause I was just, I felt like I didn't have like, I, my spirit was just exhausted and it felt like this whole thing felt like a pilgrimage in, in, in the grand scheme of it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I felt like my body was just moving without like m without any energy. It was just uh, like autonomous. Uh, and uh, um, and then when we finally got down to the bottom, I mean, it was just uh, it was just so just it all came full circle. Uh, and then we celebrated with this one beer that I I I, I had left from my tours and a little puffin on it. It was an IPA. I can't remember the name of it, but got in the back of the the taxi, cracked open that that beer, and uh, our taxi got, taxi driver was like. So what was it like? You know, and that's basically we told this. I I told the story all over again, uh, and watching the sunrise as we headed back to Reykjavik to meet my group at seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> and it was four thirty by the time I got back to Reykjavik. <laughs> that was a long twenty four hours for you, but obviously very 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 rewarding um, to be able to do that. I, I'm curious when because it's interesting when you talk about confidence and I think as somebody who's done a lot of travel and leading groups that it's important that you are confident in that group. But I know that you come across and people show up and they're a little uneasy and they lack that confidence. Um, they're, they kind of know what they're getting into, but they haven't done it. Maybe an adventure like you're taking them on. How do you get them to focus and still some confidence in them to keep them moving instill confidence in the group to keep the whole group going forward so that that end result is that incredible shared experience? Uh, well, there's a couple of different things. So if, if something requires like an outdoor skill, um, like snorkeling, for example, um, I 
I build them up to the main event. I don't throw people right into something, right? I try to front load as much information as possible. So the ladies on the Alaska trip who had to do the river rafting, uh, do the swim test, they knew well in advance that that was coming. They had like videos. I told them what to expect. And I also gave them an out. It's like, there's always a plan B. If this is not something, this isn't for you, that's okay. It's okay to say, I don't want to do this. It doesn't make you any less of a person, right? It it doesn't mean that you aren't like, like that you still have a good time doing something else. It just means you know your limitations. And that is okay too, because we are a supportive group. We're not, you know, like, oh, you know, Susie couldn't do that swim test. Um, And then, yeah, so uh, I tried to, I tried to gradually get them um, uh, to like doing small steps before the main event. I try to give as much information as possible. And sometimes I'm just there. uh, And I think this is what makes a good trip leader is like, you kind of can see what people, um, uh, like what people can, what they're probably going to have um, issues with, you know, and, and talk to them ahead of time. Be like, you know, this is what I'm seeing, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm just, I'm trying to think, um, I just like without like calling them out on their fear. Right. right. But just maybe sharing something that you feel yep. um, that, uh, that maybe scared you or how I dealt with it. And I think that that makes people feel a little bit more confident too. But it's no, there's no cookie cutter recipe. Like I don't, I don't have a cookie cutter formula to help people do anything. I just try to feel people's energy, and I try to, um, I just try to be there. I try to be a friend because just like Tracy on that volcano hike, right? It's your your friends got your back, and I think that's half the battle is knowing you're not alone. That somebody is there with you. Right. Um, and so I always tell people too, when they come on a trip with Green Adventures, like even if you're a solo traveler or if you're coming with your best friend, right? Um, like you may not know other people in the group, but you're going to know your trip leader. I'm your first friend. I'm your first adventure buddy. And I I really feel like that that's a nice bridge that that helps people um, just feel more comfortable doing things that scare them. I would imagine that everybody becomes friends in your groups by the end of the tour. I mean, it's it's just the right size group. It was hilarious seeing you all pile out of the van, you know, and, and, you know, just getting all ready to go and, and I, I could tell there was a ton of different personalities in that group. I mean, just from the bus ride from where we were to where we put in, I was like, I'm sure it could be a riot on these trips with all these different personalities and keep everybody wrangled, but then all have this fun adventure. A lot of fun times, I can imagine. It's, it's, it, there's magic. And I really don't, I, I wish I knew the formula to the magic. I guess I do, right? I just don't have it written down because every trip we go on, there is this form of magic and it just feels so good. There's just a lot of joy that happens. And I think people are missing joy in their lives. I I really do. So there's joy. uh, There's a lot of laughter. It's silliness and play. Um, You know, I I was just thinking about this before we talked, like, you know, my company is like, our mission is to help protect people, places, and ecosystems through sustainable tourism. But what we're real like we're doing that but but we're also putting a lot of happiness back into the world through the participants who come on the trips too right. um yeah so it's that that universal cosmic connection that why did you know why did these 12 people all show up uh, as strangers on this trip to um tanzania uh like they were just meant to be there right for sure so what's uh what's your next big adventure i'm going to peru next month Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to scout out a trip. I'm going to do, uh, I mean, first I'm starting, well, I'm, I'm, my friend Tracy's coming, so we might have another crazy adventure. Tough work uh, but we're trip. Gonna... Yeah. Tough work <laughs> trip. You have to go to Peru to scout your location. <laughs> 
So we're going to have, uh, I'm going to be there about a week before because I, I do want to acclimate. I want to feel, I, I don't want to have any issues with altitude. Uh, so I'm going to go a week before to acclimate and do some work. And then uh, I have six um, adventure buddies coming. They're hand-selected beta testers because uh, I wanted to, I, I like, I don't want to just, you know, I don't, I don't like to just offer a trip without knowing what to expect. And, uh, and I also want, um, um, that these people are really flexible, right? So they're like, okay, Tara, we know you're just starting this. So we're, we trust you, but we'll do Machu Picchu. But the real adventure is going to be the 60 mile, um, Ausangadi trek, which is going to go through the Andes mountains around the Ausangadi mountain. And it's, uh, it's there, we're camping along the way over seven days. And we go from 11,000 feet to 18, 18,000 feet. So, um, I've been training and really working out and, and like getting myself prepared for this, but I'm, I'm super stoked. So I don't know if the Alcingati trek is going to be on the green adventures lineup, uh, definitely a Machu Picchu experience, but I hope that it's one of those trips that I can offer to, to more people. I just don't know how challenging it's going to be. You did say 60 as in six zero miles. Six zero. Yeah. 60 yeah. miles. All above 10,000 feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm shaking my head for the podcast listeners. I did. There's a mountain bike race in Leadville, Colorado called the Leadville 100 that takes place pretty much above 10,000 feet. I live in Houston. I'm at sea level. I attempted that race. My brothers finished it. I had friends finished it. Altitude always kills me. But just even knowing, like, trying to ride a bike around 10,000 feet, packing for eight, seven days above 10,000 feet, that's, I mean, that is going to be a tough journey. It is going to be a tough journey, but I'm super stoked about it. Uh, and that's why I'm going five days early to acclimate. Right. Or a week or whatever it is. I don't know. My trip turned in from, turned into like, it was a 12 day trip. Now it's 22. <laughs> wow. That may be another podcast just itself to hear what it's like hiking 60 miles. So, well, yeah. if people are interested in green adventures, how do they get in touch with you? Where can they go to keep track of what's going on in your world? Sure. So um, thanks for asking. You can go to greenedventures.com. So that's green like the color and ed like education uh, ventures. So greenedventures.com. Uh, and we have Instagram and, and Facebook. You just do green adventures. You'll they'll pop up. You're welcome to find me personally, Tara Short. Um, and uh, you can see my I'm I, 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 I wear my heart on the sleeve, my sleeve to the whole world. So my my Facebook my personal Facebook page really um, is just about sharing all these trips as much as possible from my narrative and, and my picture storytelling. Um, but so, yeah, those are a couple of ways. How many trips do you normally do a year? On a normal year? So, well, Green Adventures does about 26 okay. a, a year. Um, and I'm, I'm leading fewer and fewer right. uh, because I have a lot. I have, I've got some trip leaders now. Um, I think I led six trips this year, but I also, but I'm scouting out a couple of new things. Like I, I, I don't know if I told you, I, I went to British Columbia and uh, North Vancouver Island to do a scouting trip to see orca whales there. Um, so we'll be adding that in, uh, it'll be a September trip, 2023, and then uh, now Peru. So um, I don't know. I, I kind of don't keep track. It's like people say, how many countries have you visited? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not someone who keeps track. <laughs> That's good. Well, I appreciate your time today. I think this is a wonderful um, conversation. I think it's wonderful that you have this woman-led tourism focus on getting women out together, building relationships out in the wild, on adventures, 
visiting places that maybe they wouldn't get a chance to visit. And I think in it for, I know for me that if I was going to go to some place like Uganda, I'm going to want to go with somebody that has experience. And so I think that provides some comfort. So I think it's great that you've able to pursue your passion as your business and then spread that to all these ladies, you know, in the U S or wherever that want to sign up and go. I think it's great. And I really appreciate your time today. And I'm looking forward to, you know, letting everyone hear this story. Thank you so much. And I'm really glad that that day I ended up sitting between you and your daughter uh, on that raft. And we had some good times, uh, you know, on that, on that uh, adventure. And thank you for letting me share my adventures to your audience. It, it really awesome. means a lot. Awesome. Well, th- my final comment on that is be sure you go find Tara Short on Facebook and read her three-part post on uh, her climb up the volcano because it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sign Out Podcast. Make sure you check out greenadventures.com. That's adventures with an E. You can learn more about what Tara and her team are doing and all the guided tours that they offer. Special thanks to Four Wheel Pop-Up Campers, purveyors of vehicle-based adventure, for their generous support of the Sign Out Podcast. Learn more about Four Wheel Pop-Up Campers and their variety of base camp adventure products by visiting 4wh.com. That's F-O-U-R-W-H.com. Make sure you check out our website at signoutco.com. We have a bunch of original design t-shirts and hats and stickers. They're very cool. Check them out. And if you have about 30 seconds, if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated. It really helps us out. The music in this episode was made by me, Caleb J. Murphy. And if you want to hear more of my music, check out calebjmurphy.com. Again, thank you for listening to the Sign Out Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. The Sign Out Podcast is proudly brought to you by Outdoor by Four Magazine, a preeminent publication for responsible vehicle-based adventure travel, including overlanding. Outdoor by Four shares family-friendly content that resonates with a broad audience of adventurers, whether in a 4x4 vehicle, on two wheels, in a canoe or kayak, or on foot. Outdoor by Four's focus is on visual storytelling that appeals to all types of outdoor enthusiasts while providing expert advice as well as dynamic photography and stories that inspire. You can pick up a copy of Outdoor by Four magazine by visiting your local bookstore or by going to outdoorx4.com. That's outdoorx4.com.